Hello, I'm Somi Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher and the founder of Impeak. My guest on today's show is Seth Goldstein, the president of Bright Moments. Bright Moments is an NFT art collective on a mission to create environments where art is co-created and co-consumed. They do this through building IRL minting experiences. This conversation ended up being so much more than just a chat about Bright Moments. Seth has such a wealth of knowledge and experience in Web3 that I learned so much, and I'm sure you will do too. Seth, thank you so much for being here. I have heard so much about the um, Bright Moments project, and uh, I missed the London um, Mint, you know, so I thought this would be a great opportunity for me to learn more about it and start kind of getting involved and see how um, uh, also other people can get involved. Um, you know, I, I went to buy the crypto citizens in uh, the London one and I couldn't find any that looked like me. Why don't you have? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, could it, like, I couldn't find any. Like, I was like looking for like dark hair, black hair, you know, female. And, and there wasn't. Uh, like the, there wasn't any that was that that looked like me so um yeah so tell me a little bit about the crypto citizens you know side of things so so where bright moments is the full spectrum of like it's the umbrella of a number of different things that you're doing in real life right and then is crypto citizens one of the things that you are doing under the umbrella of bright moments so tell me a little bit about what's um bright moments well, first of all, I'm, I'm gutted that you haven't found a crypto Londoner that looks like you. So I will take it upon myself to find some options for you because we pride ourselves on diversity of our citizens. So we have lots of different looks and lots of different accessories and lots of different clothes and, and headwear. So rest assured, we will find one that fits you and that <laughs> resonates with you. Okay, um, thank you. So the crypto citizens are our own pixel art generative PFP project. It's like a um, pixel profile uh, NFTs. And um, every crypto citizen is also uh, a member of the Bright Moment DAO. And we started Bright Moments about a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago, uh, here in Venice Beach, uh, California, where I am today. And our identity and our roadmap is is pretty simple, which is we're going around the world to mint 10,000 crypto citizens. And we're about halfway through. So we've minted 5,000 so far, including London. And we will be minting another 1,000 crypto mexas in November. And every time somebody mints one of the crypto citizens, they become part of the DAO and they get to vote, um, they get access to utility like airdrops, and they're um, you know, part of the community uh, of crypto citizens um, as we go around this world adventure. Okay, cool. So um, why don't you tell me a little bit about your story? Like what made you think um, to do this? I really like the idea, by the way. I like the idea of going you know, around the world and like bringing in crypto citizens. Do you see this being something that over time as new people come into the space that you will do, that you will increase like now, say for example, um, 
in 2024 that there will be another 5,000 Londoners be added? Is that the plan? That's not the plan. You know, the plan is to honor this number of 10,000, which I think is canonical among projects. There's 10,000 crypto punks. There's 10,000 bored apes. Um, it's a, you know, again, it's a canonical iconic number for a certain kind of crypto project. And we want to be true to that. And I think what's unique about us is when we started, we were very much coming out of the pandemic. And when we started Bright Moments in April of last year, April of 2021, you know, California and, and Los Angeles and Venice Beach in particular was, you know, was struggling with uh, quarantine. And uh, there's a lot of creative people here in Venice Beach and NFTs were really starting to have a, um, a moment, you know, as it were. Uh, you had uh, NBA Top Shot, you know, the, the months leading up to it and Foundation and Super Rare and Art Blocks was just starting. And a group of us we're really meeting for the first time uh, outside of a coffee shop on Windward Avenue in Venice Beach called uh, Minotti's. And um, we needed something to do. You know, we were all stuck at home. Uh, none of us really liked working remotely. And we were technology people and artists and designers and entertainment people and gallery people and just general people from the community who started to connect around this idea of beginning an NFT gallery. And so when we started, it was as simple as, as finding a, a brick wall inside of a, um, an abandoned space and, and renting the space for six months and buying some Samsung screens and connecting them and starting to show NFTs. And so it was very much a response to the pandemic and a response to this feeling that we had to, that we were all stuck inside and to us the opportunity to come together around nft art was um a kind of liberation you know a kind of exploration of wait a minute like maybe the future isn't so bleak after all and so that's really how it started and so in a way when you think about this project of going around the world to mint, you know, thousands of NFTs in real life. Um, it's very much a response to that and a response to being stuck inside, a response to being separated from each other. And if you think about, I mean, it's still the case that, you know, most of uh, the NFT market is done, you know, individually alone behind your keyboard, minting projects and, and, and aping into them and being DJs behind your screens. But what we really celebrate and what we really enjoy the most is connecting, you know, with people socially in real life. And whether that's in Venice Beach where we started or New York, which was our next city, and then Berlin and then London. Um, it's very satisfying to meet new people around the world who have um, this in common, this desire to celebrate this new art form. And specifically for us, we very much focus on generative art. Um, so not just NFTs in general, but the idea of bringing um, new NFTs to life that have never been seen before, where the 
the collector and the artist are most of the times, you know, it's, you know, seeing this for the first time together. And so that's where we started and that's where we're going. And along the way, uh, we get to work with some amazing artists um, who do shows with us in the cities that we, we mint in. So tell me a little bit about two, two questions I have. One is around generative art and then uh, the other one is around the collaborations that you have uh, you have going on. So let's start with the one about generative art. You said something uh, very interesting about generative art that most of the time is basically a case that the artist and the uh, collector, they both see the result together because it's something that's never been seen before. Uh, for some of the people listening to this, podcast that may not know enough about generative art and we have had actually a session about that on our platform with Zeneca um, but I think this this point is something worth um, breaking apart a little bit more you know I think a lot of people who are not necessarily in the NFT space or maybe they are in the NFT space but they are not as much into generative art they don't quite appreciate uh, how unique that is. So can you tell um, people listening what that means exactly and what makes generative art so special? Yeah, I, I think at its most basic, generative art is art that is um, generated from an algorithm. It's generated from code. You know, it's a program that sets up a, a number of rules and procedures, but you don't know what the actual output is going to be until you run it. And when you combine generative art and you and you bring it, as they say, on chain, um, that's when you have these interesting dynamics where there are only a hundred of them or only a thousand outputs. So one of the probably better known examples is Tyler Hobbs' Fidenza. It's a masterwork. There's only a thousand of them. There will never be 1,500. There'll never be a thousand and one that based on the contract, um, there is a thousand outputs. And Tyler knew what they might look like, but he didn't know exactly what they would look like until they were minted. And, and that's really one of the hallmarks. There's two primary on-chain generative art platforms, one on Ethereum, which is Artblocks, and one on Tezos, which is FX Hash. Um, and both enable artists to create what they call long form projects, you know, that are either 100 outputs or 500 outputs or 1000 outputs, um, where it's not until the minting that anybody knows what they're exactly going to look like. And so, um, you know, it's a little theoretical, but in, in terms of bright moments, um, our story and our introduction to generative art was when we started uh, the project uh, last April and May. Um, we reached out to one artist to be the inaugural artist uh, at our gallery, Jeff Davis. And it turns out that Jeff Davis is the one of the co-founders and is the chief creative officer of Artblocks. And Jeff has done generative art for many years. Um, and he teamed up with uh, Snowfro and some others a few years ago to start Artblocks. And when we reached out to Jeff, well, we had this idea uh, of doing um, 10, 10 works that we would exhibit called portals. And these have been pre-minted and we auction them 
on OpenSea, uh, and they're beautiful pieces. Um, but we knew that we would have we would likely have success bringing people to the gallery for an opening. But what about Tuesday afternoon? No one would show up at the gallery. So what could we do to drive foot traffic to an NFT gallery? You know, more than a year ago. And at first we thought, well, oh, we'll just show NBA, you know, we'll show LeBron James dunking NBA top shots, and maybe we'll show some beeples, and we'll show some very popular NFTs. Um, but we worried that wasn't going to be enough to really drive people to come to a gallery by the beach in the afternoon. And that's when galleries are, are dead. And so we had this idea, well, what if we gave away NFTs? And what if the only time you could get these NFTs were in the afternoon and you had to show up physically at the gallery? And so when we were doing this, we happened to be working with Jeff Davis and Jeff says, well, you could do this on art blocks. These could be generative art NFTs. And so we thought, well, maybe we can make kind of our version of crypto punks, but call them crypto Venetians. And so what we started to do is we said, okay, anybody that comes between three and five o'clock in the afternoon um, can generate one of these crypto Venetians. And at first we, we were begging people to come. We were asking people, we put a, a, a sandwich board sign outside and said, free NFTs, please come in. And we generated these NFTs on the spot. And what was so cool is none of us knew what they would look like until they were minted. And so it became this magical reveal ceremony where over the course of last July and August, um, people came in and they chose a, a song. You know, a lot of people chose Journey or, or you know, or, uh, or the theme song to Rocky or Dr. Dre and Snoop. And they picked their song and they would come out into the gallery and voila, we would show them their crypto Venetian. And some had a surfboard, some were women, some were men, some had uh, mohawks. Some had uh, skateboards, um, they had different backgrounds, and nobody knew what they would get. And it was a magical experience because you had all this adrenaline of, 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 of not knowing what it's going to be, and then you see it, and it's yours. And you know when you saw that, that it was yours, it was nobody else's, and there was only one in the world. And we made a, you know, we made a video, and we educated people, and we onboarded people into Ethereum wallets to help them get ready to receive this NFT and it became really popular. And because it was on art blocks, there are a lot of collectors around the world who I think we were the 95th project on art blocks. And so there were collectors who had all 94 projects. And the only way you could get this project number 95 was if you were physically on Windward Avenue at bright moments because we gave you one of a one of our ERC twenty tokens called BRT to do so, and you couldn't buy one of these tokens remotely. And so what happened is there were collectors in Singapore and collectors in Switzerland who were really committed to owning every single Art Blocks project, and they saw these crypto Venetians coming, starting to get minted, and they freaked out because they didn't know what they could do to mint them. And either they had to fly here, which was hard because again, you know, it was in the middle of the pandemic. Or they had to buy them from other people um, on OpenSea. And so what happens, a lot of local, um, local members of the Venice community 
would come and they would mint their crypto Venetian and then they get home and there'd be an offer for hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars on OpenSea for this character that they just minted for free in the gallery. Um, and then it got bigger and bigger and, and, and Bob Iger, who was the, you know, the chairman of Disney and Paul Pierce, the basketball player, you know, different celebrities and influencers started to come through the gallery. Um, and it really kind of swept us, you know, the metaphor I have is like, uh, um, Mickey Mouse, um, in Fantasia, you know, when it just, you know, it's, uh, um, I forget the name of the cartoon, but you know, it's, it's just, um, things take on a life of their own. And so it really felt like we were in the middle of, um, Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. Um, it was a magical moment and there was tremendous demand for what we were doing. And so we had this amazing product market fit. And then based on that, we said, well, well this is going so well, maybe we should do New York. And so we decided to mint a thousand crypto New Yorkers last fall. And we sold mint passes to that to fund the project. And that's what we've been doing ever since is a thousand in each city. Um, and we've gotten smarter as we've gotten along where now um, we have mint passes. So for Mexico, uh, we sell a hundred, we sell a third you know, we sell 333 mint passes to mint a crypto mexa. Um, we give 333 away to our existing holders in the form of utility. And then we give 334 away to the local Mexican community uh, as part of on onboarding that local IRL community into crypto and NFTs. That's super interesting, though. I um, That's why I was wondering whether you would uh, consider, you know, like increasing that because eventually as new people come into the space, it's a great way of um, onboarding people into the space. What are your thoughts on uh, the concept of scarcity in general in, in this space? You know, I, I, I just wonder whether creating this, this scarcity that is sometimes not necessary whether it's whether it's a good thing, you know, like because you're basically ending up with price um, floor prices inflating, while that money could be used to bring in new space, new people into the space, and creating, like for example, right now I'm building um, this this platform, which is kind of the idea of it is to be like a LinkedIn of Web three, because when I came to Web three, I, I realized that there isn't anything. Um, like it, you know, that, that we need something like that, a platform which is it's a place to for people to learn, uh, you know, so it's like education uh, and learning and then um, a career development and, uh, you know, finding work and uh, networking. So it's, these are things that, you know, from a professional point of view. So we have um, one drop coming up in uh, September, uh, which maybe by the time people listen to this I, it might uh, already have happened and uh we are doing that for a thousand people but i'm the way i'm thinking about it is that we will have a series of drops after that um and then and then eventually it will no longer be nfts necessarily you know or or we might like always keep the option of you get you know you get an nft and you get two-year membership or you just go uh, on the platform and buy a normal you know, subscription. So we're going to keep it, keep both options um, available. I'm just thinking of how can we make it as easy as possible to onboard more people into the space? 
um, I, I appreciate, uh, you know, the, the need for scarcity when it comes to things like art. But um, I just wonder if uh, this idea of always like 10,000 drops, whether, whether it's necessarily a good thing uh, for the space to grow. And, uh, and especially now with all this conversation around royalty, you know, like people would be like, saying like you know like why are we paying royalty we shouldn't be paying royalty it's even more reason to not necessarily build scarcity into it so yeah i would love to hear your thoughts on that it's a really good question i think i think for for now we're operating in the context of you know three numbers right ten thousand a thousand and a hundred so our roadmap is to is to get to 10,000 crypto citizens. And that's not a fait accompli. It's going to be hard, right? Every city is a lot of work. It's traveling around the world. It's leaving families. It's creating a new community center. It's the premint of, you know, how do we, in the case of uh, Mexico City, um, we need to get 334 of these crypto mexa minting appointments in the hands of really deserving local citizens and if it's only people that are asking for them it's going to be a bunch of degens and if it's only people that have never heard of crypto and don't have nfts um, it's going to be really hard to onboard them and get them to understand what's so powerful about this new medium and so you know, I'd love to say let's do ten thousand or a hundred thousand or a million, but when we're, you know, one on one bringing people into this project, in some cases, in, in many cases, opening up, you know, Ethereum wallets for them, um, it just takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort to do it right, um, in such a way that we want everybody that um, minced with us to be actively ongoing members of the community. And of course, they're free to sell their NFTs and that creates, you know, that puts them in the hands of other people that might want them more and that's fine. But we really want it to be as sticky as possible. We want people to be with us as we go from one city to the next. And that's very powerful when we were in London to see people that had minted with us in Venice and see people that had minted with us in New York and Berlin come to us in London and mint with us then as well or bring people or send people that they knew. So um we have to finish this project this sort of phase of getting to ten thousand across all these cities um we do a thousand a city and then with the artists um you talk about scarcity um you know i think it's very important for for um for collectors to know um with certain generative projects that there's only going to be you know in the case that we had a project with ben kovach called 100 print there's only 100 there wasn't 101 or 105. There was 100, and and collectors knew from a a scarcity from a from a precious perspective um, that they're part of that particular um, art social network, right? That, that represents those hundred outputs. And the same thing with Tyler. For we did a project called um, Incomplete Control, which was Tyler Hobbs' first project after Fidenza. Instead of a thousand outputs, there were a hundred, um, and it creates obviously a number of different collector and economic dynamics um, that make those outputs and those works of art, you know, super desirable and super rare. 
Um, and in a world where there's so much inflation and so many governments are printing money, um, I think it's not surprising that, you know, a number of generative projects and a number of crypto projects have, have held value because of that scarcity. There's only 21 million Bitcoin. If you woke up tomorrow and suddenly there was 21 and a half million, Bitcoin would go to zero because it would have destroyed the confidence that we have knowing that it's only ever going to be 21 million. Um, I'm not an economist, but I know that in a world where there's so much inflation, being able to trust in these addition sets is very important to give people something to trust and, and hold on to, right? Um, that being said, in London, for example, we were working with Artblocks on something called the mobile minting machine, um, where we were giving away free mints um, to anybody that opened up a Coinbase wallet with us of an artist called Fingercode. And we ended up minting, I think, 400 or 450 of those. Um, and we want to do more and more of that in every city where maybe there are open editions on top of the limited edition projects that we have. Um, I think there's a longer conversation that we could have about POAPs and ERC-20s versus ERC-721s. Um, but I think for now, we're, we're really focused on uh, educating people about generative art and educating people about generative art NFTs, um, where there are a certain number of outputs. And you don't know, you know, in the case of London, um, there was um, an attribute, uh, one where there was a fox and there was a crown, and those were two different attributes, and they were both set at 1%. And they're rare, just like in Berlin, we had a bear attribute, and only 1% of the outputs, probabilistically, were going to get a bear. And um, I really wanted a fox in London. I didn't get one, but other people who came in, you know, they may have gotten a free mint. They ended up minting a fox, um, and that's really powerful. Um, is this sort of um, kind of democratization of the outputs when it's totally random what you're going to get, but some things are rarer than others, and it's fun to experience in that in a in a in a visceral IRL environment. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I guess it's like sometimes I just worry about like us not being open enough and and welcoming enough to the people from the outside, but I think uh, over time as more and more people come in. You know, like um, I was actually talking to uh, one of the proof members about this, who is a great collector. And um, I said, you know, imagine like in uh, if, if the prices keep going up and these pieces are so limited, let's say in a couple of years, it will be pretty impossible to buy some of these NFTs. You know, like it's already super expensive, but it's going to be completely impossible. And then it will just it remain in the hands of a very small group of people. Um, whereas I like the idea of seeing some form of, you know, like in fashion, you have like the high fashion and then you have the accessible luxury. Uh, and I, I would really like to see more accessible luxury level NFTs that people can own, uh, you know, a whole one of those. And that's, uh, and he was saying that well that's where fractionalized comes in but it's not quite the same like for like for example i personally i i actually had a uh, a podcast interview with um the team from prism and i said 
look uh, like for example me personally maybe it's a cultural thing because i come from middle east like i i wouldn't do uh, a fractionalized uh, you know like i i don't want a fractionalized um uh, nft like i don't want like a fraction of uh, a crypto punk i want to i want to have one right like so uh, so like yeah so i think it's just something that as the the space grows hopefully there will be room for onboarding you know second layer third layer of of people into the space as well um you mentioned actually i think as the price of also as a price of um post merge you know as the as the price of transactions goes down um i think we'll be able to um create lower level easier levels of access uh, lower cost mints uh, where they can be more um, just ordinary, you know, they can be something that we do on a daily basis, something that doesn't break the bank, something that's not as considered, um, but also have really high value works as well. And I think, um, you know, I think for us, one of the things we've done is is really use what we call a random collector selector to effectively raffle off high value pieces. And so in the case of incomplete control, um, we ended up um, randomly giving away, I think it was uh, 23 options to mint a new Tyler Hobbs that were valued at 80 ETH. Um, we randomly gave away these options where you could mint something that was worth 80 ETH and you only had to pay 15 ETH. So people were 65 ETH in the money back in November when ETH was at 3000 or $3,500. And we randomly gave these away to across our crypto citizenry. And some people that one, one might've been very well off, but other, you know, one guy was running the, um, a rapa stand, you know, it, it, one, one person worked at a, a retail store, a vintage store nearby. Um, and it was a huge windfall for them. Um, they could have sold it or they could have minted the work themselves. But so I think you have um, the, the power to distribute value um, in really interesting ways when you have on-chain relationships with collectors, especially when the collectors aren't always people that have paid a premium to get in, right? So if you think in our case, there's always at least a third of our community in each city are getting to mint with us for free, right? They don't have to buy, you know, they don't have to pay four or five ETH for a golden token to mint a CryptoMexa. Instead, they're getting it for free, right? And so that's a fundamental part of our project is that there is always going to be a portion of the community um, that can get nominated by friends um, and can be part of this, not based on how much ETH they have in their wallet, but based on how um yeah how authentic they are as, as as a representative or as a community member um from that particular location um but beyond that as you're saying i do think as we think forward we have to all of us as an industry have to provide easier on-ramps where you can mint nfts for hundreds of dollars not thousands of dollars yeah yeah exactly definitely um okay so let's talk a little bit about mexico city uh so mm -hmm. sadly i won't be there um 
tell us uh, you know what what what's going to go on there what will happen and because it sounds super exciting and i understand that snowfro is gonna also uh have a drop so yeah so tell me that tldr on that um so we are putting the final pieces in place now it's going to be november uh, 15th uh, through 19th so it'll be after marfa which is Artblocks' annual event and before Thanksgiving and before Art Basel. Um, we are going to be minting a thousand uh, CryptoMexas, is what they're called. We have an amazing location um, in Juarez called Prim, uh, which is a, a beautiful old courtyard. Um, and there'll be a main courtyard where we'll be revealing the CryptoMexas, and there'll be at least 10 different rooms for artists who will all be minting there as well. Um, the theme is, you know, every city that we mint, we try to create a different uh, visceral experience that's unique to that city. So if you think about Berlin, for example, we rented a 80,000 square foot venue called Kraftwerk. That's a former turbine room of a power plant that powered East Germany. And it's, um, an amazing techno Blade Runner like experience, and we had giant eight, you know, a eight meter by eight meter screen, and then seventy individual screens, and it really felt you were inside a Blade Runner. It was monumental, and when you revealed your crypto Berliner, uh, it was like you were on a football field looking at yourself up in the sky in the giant billboard. It was very powerful, and then in London we did something totally different. It was in Mayfair, on Albemarle Street you know, next to Boodles across from Brown's Hotel. And it was very bespoke and it was very personal and it was very luxurious in terms of, you know, your minting experience was you sitting there and opening up a tiny box. And when you opened up the box and you saw your crypto Londoner, generative music played from a piano. And it was really conversational, right? Um, in Mexico, I think it'll be much more ethereal. It'll be more colorful. It'll be more nocturnal. It'll be more spiritual. And so each city, we try to do something very specific that relates to the heart and soul of that city in Mexico will be no different. Um, so in addition to the thousand crypto mexas, we will also be doing um, drops with 10 different artists, actually more than 10, but 10 that we've announced so far, um, including Snowfro. Uh, it'll be, and, and all of these will be additions of 100. So this will be Snowfro's first long form work since the Chromie Squiggle. Um, we'll be working with uh, Don Calderon, DCA, which is Snowfro's brother, who also did one of the very first pieces on art blocks. Um, Ana Lucia, uh, Iskra, uh, Marcello, um, Monica Rizzoli, William Mappen, uh, Pixel Fool, Stefano Contiero, Zach Lieberman, um, Juan Garcia Rodriguez, who's a local Mexican artist. Um, we have an amazing uh, collection of artists that will all be doing editions of 100. Each will be exhibiting in their own different room. Um, so they'll all get to create a unique IRL experience. And collectors coming through will basically have four days of experiencing these mints every night over the course of four nights. And then during the daytime, we'll be doing educational programming and workshops, um, including history of generative art, including um, 
you know, introduction to generative programming with P5JS and um, processing. We'll have um, teachers like Casey Reyes, uh, who's one of the co-founders of processing the language. Um, James Higa, who's known as Karate Kid. So we'll have uh, some, some great teachers as well. And we'll also be doing Spanish language workshops for local um, digital artists and emerging Mexico City NFT artists to learn about generative art. Yeah, that sounds um, yeah wonderful. I, I really love it. Um, it's uh, exactly how I think uh, you know early days of crypto should be, or you know NFTs should be, because we are still very early days. I think those. Uh, I really hope that you are capturing all of those, you know, and and filming everything, um, because like you know some someday you will look back and we will say like you know a whole new world. Um, opened here and and it was created so it sounds really really interesting are you going to be doing one in japan as well so um mexico city is the sixth city um the first city uh, was the metaverse it was called the crypto galacticans and that was the original dao so technically um that's the first city venice beach was the second city then new york was the third then we did berlin was the fourth london was the fifth mexico city was the sixth for the seventh city will be April. And we as a DAO, every crypto citizen holder, so if we find you a Londoner that fits you, you'll be able to vote as well. And, and we all vote as a DAO as to what the next city is. And the choices will likely be um, Tokyo, uh, Singapore, uh, Bangkok, um, maybe Sydney. I think there'll be one more choice as well. Maybe Hanoi, Vietnam. Um, and um, we as a DAO choose what city we go to next to mint. So London won over uh, Paris, Amsterdam, uh, Dublin, and Lisbon. And Mexico City won over Oaxaca, Puerto Rico, Costa Rica, Panama City. So there'll be five choices. We'll vote as a DAO, and then we'll go there, and then we'll mint. Okay, nice. I will be voting for Japan, <laughs> Tokyo. Okay. I, I, I think it. Tokyo I would it. be amazing. Yeah, and I might actually go there because I haven't had um, a holiday for a very, very long time, and I keep thinking about going to Japan. I I was um, uh, I I was flown to Japan once for work, you know, like but I didn't go myself. You know, it was like I went there uh, to speak at a conference, but somebody else paid for it, and you know, like I was like at their kind of mercy. But like now, I I would I would love to. You know, that that would be a great experience, and I, and I just wonder what it would look like in Japan because they've got so many amazing uh, ceremonies. Like you know, I can imagine like a um, a, a tea ceremony. You know, with like a, just something really really unique. Uh, and and um, yeah, super exciting. Curious with your with your drop. How do you think that? How do you think that Web three and NFTs can solve some of the problems with LinkedIn? Um, I think one of the biggest problems with LinkedIn is, uh, the, you know, the algorithm, like the way that the data is shown, um, it there's no consistency and it keeps changing and it changes in, it has changed for the worse. Um, and for, uh, you know, for, for a professional platform, Look, I don't know how it will be when it keeps growing, but I would like to really have a system like, you know, like the DAO that you have where people can vote on the way that the algorithm will 
uh, evolve and also that they can choose what they want to see as well. But in addition to them being able to, to choose, we want to also be able to uh, encourage them to kind of open up to other things that they may not be interested in, right? So so I'm like really looking at what's, what's happening in LinkedIn. We, we want to be a lot more curated. Um, but we want the curation to come from the community as well, like not just us sitting there curating. So I want to build almost like a Wikipedia style, you know, where people are um, incentivized to help with the curation of the content. So we want to cut out noise. There's too much noise. We want to cut out uh, advertising. So we are not going to have advertising. That's why it's going to be, you know, a paid, uh, you know, service. And uh, we are going to have an option for sponsored sessions. So, for example, it, uh, so there will be no advertising when there is content going on, you know, like when people are teaching something or having a conversation, um, because it's, I find that really annoying. But, um, for example, let's say Ledger comes to us and says, um, we want to access your audience. How can we do that? We say, okay, there's a section on the platform for sponsored sessions. So you come here and then you make it more like a thought leadership. You teach something people to people, right? And you explain, you know, how to make the best of your product, etc. And then it's up to people whether they want to watch it or not, right? So, so there will be a, a, a place people can look on a daily basis, say, do I want to watch this? Do I not want to watch this? And then the brands can um, provide uh, incentives for people to watch that those things so like whether it comes in maybe in the future it might come in the form of some kind of uh, erc20 token or it might come in the form of um you know like that people watch that and then they enter in a, into a raffle to maybe get you know free stuff you know but but the main thing is we want to cut down noise we want to cut down advertising we want to curate the content better it makes sense yeah that's exciting yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Super excited. And uh, I think it also like I think being on chain will lead to better credentializing. Yes. Right? That, that so, I will I yeah. can vouch for you as a leader in a certain area and I think there'll be more accountability if it's done through NFTs and tokens than if it's just thumbs up on social media. Exactly, exactly. So we are not going to have anything like follow followers. Like we, mm -hmm. we want to get rid of that whole system that who, who came up with that idea? Like, you know, people, one, one of the reasons why there are so many bots on uh, social media is because people want more followers, right? So we want to get rid of that idea. You rise to the top as a, th a thought leader through the content that you uh, create. And, and also we don't want uh, to put too much pressure on people to, to over create content. If anything, we are actually telling them do less but like higher mm -hmm. quality. Um, so it's not going to be like a factory. Like I'm just basically going completely the opposite of what most social media is about, which is all about, you know, uh, I don't even think of ourselves as social media, like more of a professional networking and thought leadership building and like a, a, a place where you can do business. So you can, you can um, you know, find the right people to do business with. So we're going to stick to that ethos. It's something that really is very important to me, very dear to my heart and near to my heart. And, and I want to uh, really engage people uh, in, in that process uh, as we are, uh, you know, designing this new platform, basically. You have a name for it? Yeah, it's called Impeak. It's already there. You can already oh, go 
yeah you can already go and and log in of course right now there's still there at the moment there's only the uh, educational content there so there's like upcoming sessions and then there's the on-demand section there's a lot of on-demand section sessions already there uh and um so and we already have premium members uh and then we're gonna have the um the nft drop so that will onboard new premium members and we are always gonna have the option of both uh nft and just normal fiat uh ongoing subscription yeah i'll check it out <laughs> yeah definitely so i would love to have you on the platform you know like uh, and we can talk about educational uh material um, because what you are you were talking about with with what you're doing on uh in mexico city you know that's like that's the stuff that we want to be doing actually the, the next language we're adding is going to be spanish um okay. because we we want to make this uh in different languages for different you know um audiences uh and different time zones etc so so there will be uh there will be like a constant flow of um you know new content so anyway yeah thank you so much for this and i will i will still think about um mexico city it's yeah we'd love to have you uh, there I'd, I'd love to be there so I, I don't know anything about it i don't know what to expect you know uh when i'm there um but uh, i know that a few people from proof are going as well and um yeah i'm i'm gonna have a serious think about it cool i'll keep you i'll keep you informed i hope you enjoyed this conversation with seth goldstein be sure to give him a follow on twitter and take a closer look at what they're building at bright moments if you enjoyed this podcast be sure to subscribe to it on apple spotify or any other one of your favorite podcast channels and don't forget to give the five star rating and write a review the full interviews are also available on my YouTube channel, The Somi Ariane Show.